Hey, Honeymooners, you can find ad-free episodes, Moshe's DJ sets, merch discounts, and so much more on our Patreon. Check it out at patreon.com slash endlesshoneymoon or click the link in the description of this episode. Welcome to episode 28 of the Endless Honeymoon podcast. That is Moshe Kasher chewing on Nicorette. Chewing on Nicorette. It's a new year. And I had a resolution. Ya boy, cha boy, stop cha vaping. No more vapory for me. I'm on Nicorette gum. And I got to tell you, uh, life sucks. No, you're also on those little lozenges. Yeah, the lozenges are gross. Nicorette gum. Here's the thing about uh, nicotine gum. It's like, uh, it's like pleasant poison. Mm-hmm. I feel, it's like heartburn gum. Mm-hmm. But it feels better, I guess. No, I mean vaping kind of makes you gag a little bit. Yeah, I do like it when you gag, but I <laughs> get it. You know what's a low point is like a glass of wine and Nicorette. <laughs> I'm not gonna say I wasn't there this weekend. <laughs> Natasha's like <laughs> keeps bumming Nicorette off me, <laughs> and I'm like, you aren't addicted. You're the only person I've ever known who's trying to develop a nicotine addiction by chewing <laughs> nicotine gum. Some people get addicted to Nicorette. It gives you a buzz. Right, but you weren't a nicotine addict. and now I, I vaped off of your vape sometimes. Once in a while, and I would go away for like a week, and you'd be like, when I get home, like, can I have a puff? And now I've got this nicotine gum, and you're like, can I get another, can I just get another square? Can I get a little, another little nibble? Those lozenges, though, I don't recommend. They were burning the roof of my mouth. Here's the thing. I was, it was New Year's Eve. It was like a, two days before New Year's, and I realized I hadn't made a resolution. I'm 40 years old. I was developing a mild vaping cough. <laughs> I told you one night we were watching a movie and like you were like you had like what I would describe as labored breathing. <laughs> it's not true. It was. And you were just like. <laughs> and I was like, that's from vaping. Well, I got you vape from the second you wake up to the moment you you're like still on your side vaping and texting like for an hour after I go to bed. I was trying to develop a system where. As the last shudder of orgasm leaves my body, the vape device hits my lip. So it's like, <laughs> I almost had it down, but then I quit. I was thinking I'm 40 years old. I'm, I don't want to exit my 40th year still vaping because if I do that, there's no end in sight. I mean, vaping and smoking, so pleasant. It makes life so much more pleasant. But Not then, smoking cigarettes. Oh, Vaping yeah. is way more pleasant. I no, think. smoking, it's all good. Cigarettes kind of stink. Yeah, they stink, but you're on the river. You're on a river in Europe with an espresso. You say, Gianni. You say, Mossimo, another espresso doppio, por favore. And then you light up an export A, you know, or something like that. I remember when you were in Rome, you were smoking cigarettes and you smoked them in your apartment. Oh, it was the ba- I got kicked out of an apartment for smoking too much. <laughs> remember that the guy told me too he was a smoker he's like you can smoke in here and then like two months later he's like you smoke too much go away (laughs) you smoke too much for for an italian you know how bad that is he's like i don't know you're a little bit too much yelling at your girlfriend did i tell you about that one time i was in italy i came across a couple and the couple was like the guy had the woman up against a wall and he was like holding her and screaming in her face and i was like oh my god I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to intervene here. And then I watched him for a while. And after a while, I was like, oh, I think this is just some Italian shit, actually. This is just sort of Italian courtship. Anyway, I'm off the vape. I'm glad. Uh, Yeah. I didn't think you'd be able to do it. Really? 
Well, I here mean, I am. You're doing good. I just thought I would vape for the rest of my life. You know how bummed I'm going to be if in 20 years the research comes out about vaping and it turns out that it wasn't bad for you? That's 100% impossible. You're not a statistician, an epidemiologist, or a health expert. You don't know. It can't be good to be putting like those liquid drops of poison into your... All I'm saying is if I find out in 25, 30 years that everything was cool and I wasted the, the last 30 years of my life not vaping when I could have been healthily vaping my way to my 90th year, I'll be very bummed. If anyone knows of any current vaping studies, could you send them? No, it's don't really send hard us. To... No one's interested in your, it's... <laughs> in your scared straight reefer madness. Anyway, I'm off the, I'm off the stick and I'm on, I'm on the gum. And uh, yeah, so uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that you're gonna live 20 more years. I guess. <laughs> Fuck you! What do you mean you guess? <laughs> I was already, I, you know, I already had it planned. I was like, well, he keeps vaping. He's definitely addicted to it. He does it all day long. So probably he'll die in like 10 years, and then you, that was your plan. <laughs> I didn't think you could do it. Is all I'm saying. But I'm what impressed. was the plan? What were, What were you gonna do when I died? Um. First of all, I'm five chill. years younger than you. I'm gonna outlive you regardless doesn't work like that what do you mean yeah it does no it doesn't what do you mean some people live long some people yeah i'm gonna be one of those people okay but i'm gonna women live longer than men but i'm five years younger than you so my vision for the future was always that we would probably exhale at the last we would take our last gasps together holding our old gnarled arthritic hands in a hospital bed a sleep number bed that uh, we haven't done an ad for sleep number beds but we should (laughs) For this very thing. Like our little gnarled hands were clasped together and we were watching our Netflix special, maybe. <laughs> right? Like our fourth one. Our fourth Netflix special. And I was saying I love you. And you were saying, I love you too. And as we took our very last gasp, I rolled I took all of the effort possible in my old broken body, my ninety year old body. I rolled over. I looked at you, you'd taken your last breath, and I didn't want to live without you any longer, you know? And I was like, This is it. I'm about to take my last breath. And as I was about to take my last breath, I reached in, I grabbed an old antique vape device and I vaped my one last puff for the gipper. And then I die right there, still holding your hand, exhaling vape smoke. It's very romantic. It's beautiful. But you were planning on, I'm 50, I croak, and you move to New York City with like (laughs) a, a friend and go watch Broadway plays for 35 more years. That would actually be fun. Thanks a lot, dude. Speaking of old people and, and, and death, we... Uh, oh, yeah. We're trying to see all of the old um, rock and roll people who are about to die. Yeah. It's the see them before they die tour that Natasha and I have started. We started with John Prine, and that was truly an amazing concert. And this very weekend, we went down and saw old Willie Nelson. Oh, Will, Willie. Still got it. 87 his, years old. His arm hair was like four inches it long. It was crazy. I never <laughs> seen anything like it. It was like a. It was whisp- like part of the guitar. Right. It felt like it was gnarled into the guitar. It was like <laughs> woven into the strings. But the boy still got it. He's 86 years old. He's still like strumming this like very weird old guitar with a strange sound, you know? It was very cool. It was an awesome concert. It was very lo-fi. His whole show was just like cool and, and chill. And the woman, but the, the crowd, here's the uh, sample of the demographic. The lady behind us was talking about her Her lactose intolerance for like a half hour. That was like the main. It wasn't even like "Eh, counterculture. Let's smoke some doobies. It was like, I haven't had dairy in a decade because I get diarrhea almost instantly. And then what was the other demographic? 
Uh, we saw some kids. There was a, yeah, that was cool. That was cool. There was a kid with a bolo tie. I'm like, what could this country nerd come from? <laughs> the outskirts of San Diego. We drove all the way down to San Diego to see Willie Nelson in a really cool small theater. It was really awesome. At I'll- first, Moshe didn't like it because he didn't think he was like could sing that well or was playing I his mean, guitar very well. Look, he can't sing that well. The guy's 87 <laughs> years old. He's lost his voice, so a lot of the songs are sing-alongs and he just kind of points to his ear right. when it, it's time for the chorus. It's a funny thing these old rockers do, which is that they're just tired and old and their their voices are kind of shot. So during every chorus, they'll be like, you do it. <laughs> it's like, a bitch, I paid plenty of money to have you do it. But he, it's Willie Nelson and Sons uh, and Family and there was a really there was a moment where I was really touched. I was really emotionally overwhelmed by it. It was a that old Willie Nelson chestnut roll me up and smoke me when I die. And it's you know, it's a celebration of like not being afraid of death and like 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 drug use. And uh it's like Willie Nelson singing Roll Me Up and Smoke Me When I Die, there's gonna be a party so swing on by or whatever the lyrics are. And his sons are playing backup guitar and rhythm guitar, mm-hmm. lead guitar and rhythm guitar along with him. Like they're singing the chorus to this song about their old father who is going to die soon and how he celebrates and welcomes his impending doom. And there was, I really was, I got choked up and then I was, it was very beautiful. It was a beautiful, uh, a beautiful time. And also it was just awesome to see like that many straight white men on stage, you know, finally, <laughs> finally they get getting a break, get a break, baby. He played uh, some Hank Williams songs. He played some Carter family songs. He played some originals. He played some hits. The point is, if there are people who you love, artists who you love, who are old, go see them before they die. My one of my biggest regrets was Prince. I know did a uh, like a forty night residency here in in L A. and people and it was like Shaka Khan was coming on and like Stevie Wonder. It was every night, so every L A. based musical celebrity was going down and like jamming with Prince. And I was just like, I'll catch him next time. Well, guess what? Those buttless chaps went to the sky. Elton John's tour is literally him taking a walker to the sky. Is that right? Yeah, it's an escalator. (laughs) And he takes a walker and just goes into it. At the end of the concert? Yeah, my friend sent it to me. You can see it online. Uh, Maybe just do that. We have a friend who doesn't like to travel because he's like, why would I travel? I'll just check it out online. I can (laughs) can see Moldovia on YouTube. (laughs) Shout out to Howard Kramer. What's wrong with it? We should have Howard on the podcast. Then. Sure. Uh, okay, well, let's take some calls. Hey, yeah, let's do it. Now we're going to call Emily in Pittsburgh. Hello? Emily? Hi. Hey, it's Natasha Legero and her husband. <laughs> I got. I have a name <laughs> and an identity. It's Moshe Kasher calling. How are you, Emily? I am doing all right. I'm really excited to talk to you guys. We are very excited to talk to you. How's Pittsburgh? Uh, it's great. I'm actually in Albany right now. Oh, at an Albany. <laughs> but I'm on my way to Pittsburgh. I feel like Albany. I, I I did a show once in Albany, and I bombed so hard they switched me with my opener. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, no, really? Yeah. Oh, what I a great story about how bad uh, Albany is. <laughs> they didn't. I felt like I couldn't connect with them. It might not um, have been Albany's fault, hon. <laughs> it, it might have been Albany. It might have been Thank Albany. Thank you. Okay, so what's up? Why'd you call and. Uh, Bunch of bumpkins in Albany. T- t- yeah, this is the only time I've ever heard somebody 
say I'm somewhere and I'm going to Pittsburgh and I made Pittsburgh sound like a vacation yeah, destination. Yeah, right? The destination, right. Yeah. I like Pittsburgh, though. To be honest with you, I like Pittsburgh. I'm it's just beautiful. biased because Albany, you know, you know, I had that bad experience there. Right. They just didn't get the comedic genius that had been brought to the upstate New York area. Right. It's the lesser of two evils. I think it was an Italian restaurant, too. It was, it was in my early days. <laughs> oh, What's... well, okay. Well, that explains a little bit. um okay well anyway um so what's going on yeah there's i feel like there's kind of a lot of details um but i'll try to explain it like as succinctly as possible but basically i'm in a relationship with my boyfriend now we've been together for like a year and a half um but i did and said some kind of dumb things at the very beginning of our relationship that are haunting me and I'm wondering, like, how, if anything, like, what I can do to get over them, I guess. Um, but basically, we, I, I think we have, like, a pretty good relationship. But Wait, 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 Emily, let me stop you there. Okay, okay. Sometimes okay. we want people to make things succinct. But when you say you <laughs> yeah, did and said some dumb things in the beginning of the relationship, we're going to want you to not compact. Okay. What'd you okay. do? What'd you say? Fair. So the, there's like two major things that I did that come up frequently, um, like when we have arguments. The, <laughs> the first of which is, sounds really bad, but it was, it was during a game. Okay, let me preface this by saying that in the, we met on Tinder. So in the beginning of our relationship, I was not taking the relationship seriously, like really at all. Um, I think he was though, which is part of the problem. But anyway. We were playing a drunk game of of like truth or dare or never have I ever or something. And I was drunk and I started talking about like the dick sizes of some of the people that I've slept with before and that they're large. And it made him real feel really bad about himself, but he doesn't have anything to be ashamed of in that category. So he's um, got a medium sized dick and you've been slanging right. with some big old hogs. Is that <laughs> which, about right? Which which is better actually i don't like big dicks i hear you believe me when i say that no i I believe you to be honest with you they don't fit inside me either no right and i the amount of complaints i've gotten over uh, luckily natasha is she's just a straight up size queen and like she can take it to the hilt (laughs) but the amount of complaints i had before natasha and i got together it was just like ow i can't do that that doesn't seem like a dick that seems like Uh a a third leg that seems like a baseball bat you know yes. things like that. So I get, I get it. So you were basically saying, I've sat on many, many a, a fat old hog, and he got, yes. he hasn't been able to forget it. He hasn't been able to forget it, and I sure. feel really, and I, I was saying it out of like my own insecurity to like try to get myself like an upper leg in the situation. An upper, or, a third leg, a third or yeah, leg. right, yeah. yes, right. Um, so yeah, so that's like one major thing that comes up, um, that I feel really bad about, and you should never he, mention it again. I've he's mentioned it then just always just brush it off (laughs) like I would just (laughs) seriously like why you just said something stupid you didn't mean it just like you can't if the more attention you draw to it it's who cares yeah he needs to get over it it. he can't he so I think he like there's a fundamental lack of um like he doubts my attraction to him even like a year plus in now um and he also doubts i think like my commitment to him and the relationship what because um, which what do you mean because you you sucked one big dick he's not sure you can love no no that was 
that was one major thing. But then the other major thing that happened that always comes up is, okay, so I met him on Tinder, right? And when we were first seeing each other, um, it was like I was still on Tinder. And so I used in, okay, I'm in like a public airport, so it's like weird, but in the past, They're all, it's I, in Albany. Those people, there's not even human beings. I know. They, <laughs> Don't worry about it. I know it's weird, but, um, so in the past I have used Tinder to like make friends and like specifically to like get hookups for like weed. So I, <laughs> so I was doing that with this kid while I was seeing my current boyfriend now, we were like seeing each other, but we weren't a real relationship. And I was seeing this other kid, but I wasn't actually like, I had no intentions of like dating him or hooking up with him or anything. I was like getting wheat from him. Okay. And so you, <laughs> okay. you found a, a, a kid, you keep saying kid. That's, Sorry, I mean me. kid, but I mean like a person my age in their twenties. And you were pretending to, you were like leading the guy on, but actually no, just no. using him for weed. No, no, I was using him for weed and he understood that that was a situation. And How I was difficult also like, is it to get weed in Pittsburgh that you have to log on to <laughs> Tinder in order to find so a drug dealer? I had just I had just moved there okay. and I didn't know anyone there. So that was a priority for me. And that was how that was just how I did it. Isn't like Wiz Khalifa from Pittsburgh? He's a yes. famous marijuana yes. smoker. I don't feel like you guys yeah. are in prohibition times. No, we're not. OK, I've so cut for like forward to what what is the main issue now is just that like. So he found out you were still main- on Tinder? Yeah, no, what's He's, the problem? Yes. Yeah. The problem is that Trust. a few dates in, not having been a real relationship, I he found out that I was still on Tinder and that I was seeing like hanging out with this guy who I hung out with like twice. Did you hook but, up with him? No, I didn't. And okay. I had no intention to. And he doesn't believe that. He doesn't believe me when I say like I had no intention to do so. I got off Tinder like pretty soon after that, um, and started like actually dating this my my boyfriend now. Um, and became committed to the relationship. But those are the two instances that really just always come up. But in, these things happen at the have. beginning of your relationship. It's like this. He might just not be able to like get over it. And then it's like you kind of need someone a little more um, in touch with themselves. Another thing that I forgot to mention is that he's been cheated on by girlfriends in his past. It would have been awesome if you had been like another thing I forgot to mention is I was involved in the great Pittsburgh gangbang <laughs> of 2015. Well, I slept with over 40 men at once on video. But, oh okay, so God. he's been cheated on. I mean, the pro- he's just like harping on these things from yeah. the beginning of no, the relationship. Everything you're saying, I'm like, so I mean, here's the real problem. You got a teeny tiny dick lover. And he can't get over the fact that his little old ding dong, he's like obsessed with it. He's like hung up on this little nubbin. And he's just like, every time he looks down, he like thinks about all the dick that wasn't. Oh my God. No, it's not. It's honestly. Oh my God. If he ever hears this, Moshe. Okay, I know. If, you, I if he ever hears this, let me just tell you, you got a, you got a big old, you got a beautifully thick white little he's ping, got a great ping pong. dick. No, he's listen. got a great dick. And he doesn't believe me when I tell him that. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, my primary feeling. Tell, hearing you tell these two stories the, the the phrase that came to mind was that's it that's all yeah both of us are these are stupid she's ready to commit she's ready to take it to the next level he's insecure he needs to go to therapy she's not even ready she she's already committed it's already happened how long have you been with this guy a year and a half we lived together and what, what was the end of the incident like like the tinder incident um i never the poor kid who i was like friend, kind of becoming friends with he texted me several times i had to ghost him and delete tinder but how long ago was that a year uh, a year plus ago yeah yeah your man the problem isn't that you did something stupid at all yeah. the problem is that you you the stupid thing you did wasn't the stuff you did on tinder or your <laughs> never have i ever sat on an 18 inch <laughs> dick game 
the the stupid thing he did <laughs> was end up with a guy that's this insecure that can't believe that he's I worthy know. of your love. I mean, you've I done know. you've done everything you need to do to prove to him that he's worthy of your love. You tell him you love fucking him. You tell him you got off Tinder over a year ago. Like you know, I mean, in the beginning of our relationship, when beginning of Natasha, my relationship, I was sleeping with literally forty-seven people. Right, Natasha, you remember? Oh I would bring them over. I would say, "This is Julia." You know, oh no, God. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> nothing you're saying is red flagville at all to me. Am I wrong? No, you're. I think you're right, Moshe. What do you? Uh, what would you do if you were in this kind of situation? Um, I would maybe have a talk with him and just say, if I was in this situation, I would be like, "Listen." Next time he brings it up, like, I can't, please don't ever bring that up again. Like, let's just, let's just move past that and not talk about this. He's just so stubborn though. And like, he's a better arguer than I am, I guess. But how, how much can you argue about that? We, it's the same. And we, we don't have this argument a lot. It's just when it does come up, it's always the same thing. And I always tell him basically what you guys are saying. Like, I didn't, it was I was felt differently about the relationship then than I, I did think you now. should tell him that maybe you want to break up because he can't get over it. <laughs> no. Natasha just wants everybody to break up. Natasha doesn't want anybody to be in a relationship. No, I do. But I mean, not with someone who's going to like annoy you every six months with this dumb fight that is like it's his su- own problem. I mean, it's, it's such like small potatoes. No, no offense to your boyfriend who has I a know, small potato. But, but the... <laughs> it's- I mean, I'm wondering, like, when you say he's a better arguer, because from my perspective, I'm one of the world's great arguers, just FYI. And from my perspective, he doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have an argumentative leg to stand on. What, what is his? I mean, we are only hearing her side of the story. I know. What's his? Yeah, right. What's his primary argument? What does he say? That these things, well, not necessarily. So I guess it's two things like the dick thing just fed into his own insecurities and he's like still insecure about that. But the real issue is like that he doesn't or didn't see me as trustworthy or committed to the relationship then. So I guess he still like has doubts about it in that sense. I don't know. Well, let me just say, Emily, that in we're all adults here. How old are you? (laughs) I'm how old am I? I'm 24. So in adult world. We are not responsible for other people's insecurities. We're responsible only for our own our own interactions and making sure that they're not d- done with brutality. And you've you've mm-hmm. you, you maybe the first couple interactions you had with him before you realized how much you loved him were not done with the most grace you could have done them with. But you right. but 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 that it doesn't justify him acting out his insecurities on you a year and a half later. You you right. aren't responsible for his insecurities. Unless he really doesn't want to commit to you and is in love with someone else. I doubt that. Right. This guy seems like a little, like whipped, a little, <laughs> little tiny, tiny peened. No. So then what, what can she say to him, Moshe? I would say that you I... say to him next time he brings it up, just say, listen, I love you. I've told you I loved you. I'm off uh, Tinder. I'm committed to you. I moved right. in with you. If right. that doesn't show you that I'm committed to you, I can't help you. Say the words. It's, I am yeah. not responsible for your insecurities. And if you mm-hmm. can't get over them, we should either go see someone, you should go see someone, or yeah. we should stop seeing each other. Yeah. All right. That's yeah. great advice. That's what I think. Good job, yeah. Mosh. Thank- Emily, what do you think? <laughs> Emily, please implement I, some of that. Yeah. Yeah, I will. And Next time it comes up, that's going to have to be... And will, yeah. you, will you let us know what happens? Because I'm curious because that does seem like the most sensible thing to do. But who knows what could happen? It's true. It's these people. People do this thing with insecurities where they they magnify the significance of an insignificant experience because they can't mm-hmm. get over the fact that someone loves them. They can't. Mm-hmm. They, they're just so 
blown away and feeling unworthy of that love that they'll magnify a tiny, tiny little infraction in order to justify their own feelings of insecurity a year and a half later. I mean, it's like, yeah. I'd, I'd love to argue with this guy for you because I'm like, get over it, dude. You got the girl. <laughs> I would love to see that. She's I would there. Love to see that. She lives with you. She's, <laughs> she's in your bed. She's yeah. not enjoying any moment in your bed, but she's in your bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Which is what I try to get him to understand. But yeah. All right. All right. Well, good luck. And uh, thank you. I know it's hard. Call us back. Yeah. Let us know how it goes. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you so okay, much. Okay, Emily. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Maybe you should just become a therapist. Yeah, that's what I'll be like. Your man's got a little dingy ding dong. <laughs> My name is Dr. Kasher. I'm here to tell you the straight truth. You got a man got a teeny teeny peeny? I mean, what? That guy just sounds like a gump. I'm serious. Like a year later, you're still like, well, there was a truth or dare game where you once said you slept with a guy with a but big old ding dong. Maybe she gets drunk all the time and like says obnoxious things and does like who, weird gestures with her pinky i don't know or talks about yeah all the maybe i mean who knows I'm we just only saying. have what we have to, to go on what she's telling us and from my perspective that guy just sounds like he's looking the ultimate gift horse in the mouth it's like i hate that so much when someone's like she's there she's in the house she moved in she's with you and you're still going i don't know if she's committed it's like bitch look she was, she's there. Well, I would say that if I was trying to get out of a relationship. I don't think that, well, maybe, but based on what we heard, I think that guy just, uh, again, like I said, he can't believe that someone loves him because he doesn't think he's worth it. Well, guess what, buddy? By not thinking you're worth it, you become not worth it. You're not worth love. This has been Dr. Kasher, <laughs> medicine woman. Okay, I need to cleanse my palate. Let's play some secrets. So I have a secret. Um, my cousin married a girl. Her name is Lindsay. And I don't know how to spell her name. I always forget if it's E-Y or A-Y. So whenever I send texts to him about it, I always say, hope you and Linz-L-I-N-D-S, <laughs> like, I always have this abbreviation that I would never call her in person over text, so I just get to avoid the question for longer. Okay, uh, that's it. Bye-bye. Oh, how relatable. That uh, is a very cute person. Uh, she was cute. It was cute, but it's relatable. I got, I got that kind of situation in my life. I have a few sets of twins in my life. That I've had to create. I went years, and I was like, I do not know who the like who the different the difference between these people's names. And I had to make mnemonic devices, little games. That's the secret. You find out, find out through a third party how to spell it, and then find a game. So L I, I don't know how you even spell Lindsay, but ever. But then you make a little game. I E because I E love you, or I don't know. It's some little game. I think people are used to their names getting spelled wrong. Yeah, but not from your sister-in-law. <laughs> I think that's the big part here. Oh, I relate to that person so much. I wish I could say the mnemonic devices I use with the twins in my life, but then people who listen would know who I'm talking about. All right, let's hear another secret. Hey, Moshe and Natasha. I love your podcast. Um, so my secret is that I have two placentas in my freezer. Um, one of them has been there for six years and the other one has been there for two years. And my plan was to, after my kids were born was to take them home and bury them and plant a tree over them and now that I'm saying that out loud it sounds super crazy but 
um, every spring I forget to do it, so they've just literally been chilling in the freezer. Um, thanks. You, I, you, I mean, you fucking freak. You are that that woman is a straight up freak of nature. I got some bad news for you, Natasha. I did the same thing. We did it. We I I have I I had it in my freezer, this placenta. I threw a party for my kid. I hired a witch. Yep, a shamaness came. She by. came over. She planted a tree. We sprinkled some placenta glop or whatever. I mean, first I asked the gardener too, like where would be a good place to plant and what kind of thing, you know, figured it out. And then we had a ceremony. Yeah. Well, now we got a tree growing out of the placental uh, afterbirth discharge from here's And the, it's growing. It's it, been a year now and it's grown like a full like two feet. I don't think it sounds freaky at all. Well, of course we did it. Here's we sh- the, everyone should be planting more trees. And thank God. Just thank God you're not eating your placenta because that's what most gross moms do. It's a we, great excuse for a party. We had a friend placenta who, party. We had a friend who was doing placenta smoothies. She said, uh, it was a little chunky is what she said. <laughs> so just thank God you're not that person. Yeah, but you should definitely get those in the ground. Yeah, get that placenta in the ground. But maybe don't call it a placenta party. Just say tree planting. Or discharge party. Do it on the birthdays of your of your children. That's a good idea. Do it on the next two birthdays. We support you and all kinds of white nonsense. I'm assuming you're white, and I think it's a safe <laughs> assumption. Hi, guys. I have a secret. Um, so when I was about 19, I was going on a first date. Um, the guy happened to be my manager at the sandwich shop. <laughs> and I was really nervous. And we were at a Mexican restaurant about to be seated. And I had a fart. <laughs> I thought I could sneak it out. Uh, turns out I shit my pants. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, oh, I have to go to the restroom. And I went to the bathroom, and then I ditched my underwear in the tampon, uh, the little tampon mailbox in the bathroom and free balled the rest of the date. Oh, also, when I was a kid, I was really OCD, and I used to keep my toenail clippings in a box because I thought if I didn't, my parents would die. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> She thought if she didn't, her parents would die. Someone must tell you that. And then she knew that was the disturbing one. So she tried to like (laughs) fold it in. She's like, here's a shit, uh, funny, salacious shit story. And then she's like, "Uh, I've got deep witchcraft OCD. Bye. But when you're young, you know, and working in a sandwich shop, you don't really want to date your manager. No, like I feel like when I have diarrhea. Wouldn't that feel inappropriate, like on a, in a job like that, to be dating the manager? For sure, there's nothing, nothing in your life says success like dating <laughs> the manager at your sandwich. No, shop. but also it's like, yeah. I um heard a great story about a bathroom restaurant pants shitting. Ever tell this story on this podcast before? Some guy, some Hollywood guy, uh, had written this screenplay, and it was like the. I, I feel like I've told this story it's before. It's not very specific, so. Well, anyway, he'd written this ultimate um, screenplay that, like, he was going to get made, all, and Steven Seagal was, like, the perfect guy for the for the movie, for the lead. And he's like, we worked all of his Hollywood connections to get a meeting with Steven Seagal, and finally Steven Seagal agreed to meet with him. And he went and he sat down at, with Steven Seagal, and they were about to start talking about the movie, and the guy's like, uh-oh. And he's like, Mr. Seagal, would you excuse me? And he um, he went into the bathroom, like ran into the bathroom, cl- doing that butt, butt clench. You know that butt clench you mm-hmm. do where you're driving home and you're like a foot off the uh, seat? And he went and he just like, like colossal diarrhea city, you know, just kabloosh. 
And he's like, oh, uh, uh. he wiped up. He pulled his pants up. He's like, oh, my God, I got to get back out there and do this meeting with Mr. Steven Seagal. And he walked up to the table. And at the moment he was about to sit down, his just asshole unleashed. And he just shit his pants all the way down his pants. And Moshe, like, this does not seem real. This is a story I heard. And you, heard he, you said you said a Hollywood guy made a hold on, big Hollywood <laughs> movie. <laughs> There's like no details. Steven Seagal, that's a very specific detail. <laughs> this seems like one of those stories that's like not true. He gets back to the table, he shits his pants, and he goes, uh, forget it, Mr. Seagal, and just goes back into the bed. Like, there's no way you can close the deal having shit your pants in front of Steven Seagal. I hear you. You don't believe me, though? I mean, you just, <laughs> just seemed like a fake story. <laughs> well, I didn't make it up. I, I haven't heard it before. Oh, well, I didn't make this story up. <laughs> It might not be true, but I definitely truly heard it. Okay, I like it. Anyway. Let's hear another secret. Hi, guys. I finally have a secret. It's not super juicy, but my boss doesn't know. So sometimes at my job, which, by the way, I do a lot of phone and web sales, I just don't feel like doing complicated quotes, so I don't. And if the customer ever decides to follow up, I tell them, oh, my God, that's so weird. I sent that quote the same day. And I go and find an email that I sent someone else on that day, and I edit it. I actually do get their quote. And when I forward it to them, I just change a few details, like the name and email, of course, and the customers have no idea. Some of them are even, like, they go as far as to say, oh, my God, that's so weird. I never got it. Maybe it went to my spam. But anyway, no one's figured out yet. My coworkers know, but not my boss. Thanks. Love you guys. Podcast is amazing. Yes. Well, I mean, first of all, I don't really understand what she's doing. Well, I don't fully understand it either. It's just like oh, it, that's what I was gonna say. It's, it's obviously there's there's a mar the high margin for error. Yeah, the stakes. You've got to like delete everything. The stakes are so low and so high. It's like what she's not doing is like following up and doing her job very small amount of effort and the risk is she's going to be unemployed in like the like a growing homelessness crisis that we're having right well maybe she's become bad at her job so she could have a secret to tell us i know it did seem like she was working on one she's like, damn i like that podcast i should create more chaos in my life so that i can have something to say i hate hustles like that though where the the hustle is laziness it's like you're not even getting like paid you're not even getting you're not even like coming up you're just like not doing work that you're supposed well, to be doing maybe she's maybe she doesn't have time at my old job when i was a sign language interpreter mm -hmm. there was this hustle that people were doing i always was like felt like the stupidest hustle in the world it was like i used to work on webcams you know um and at like doing sign language interpreting over webcam mm -hmm. right and the way that it would work is you would call a deaf person would be on the screen and you'd make a phone call for them but and you could like reject certain calls and these inter this like network of interpreters throughout the company was like making arrangements with deaf people that they were friends with to call in and they would keep rejecting the call until they got to one of their f deaf friends mm -hmm. and they would make like a seven hour call with the deaf person just like watching tv they like call like a you know the C the irs and be on like a three hour hold and the whole hustle was so that the interpreter Nobody's getting paid extra money. It was so the interpreter could just be at work and not have to work and just sit there pretending to be on a call and be like surfing the internet. That always felt like the, the pettiest hustle of all time. Hmm. Do you feel bad about it? I didn't do it. Oh, you didn't do it. I was a hard worker. I did some other things. I did some other nefarious things. 
I know, honey. You're a rebel. I was a rebel. I was a Red Bull <laughs> back then. One time a guy, these two guys called, these two deaf guys called, and I connected the call, and it was like, do you want hot, sexy, juicy pussies mm, rubbed all over your face? Five ninety nine a minute. Press five. And I was interpreting it. I was like, I can't really connect this call. It's like a nine hundred number. It's phone sex. And the guys, the two, <laughs> it was two guys, and they were like, No, 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 no. That's not what we want. We don't want phone sex. We want like a woman to come to our house and have sex with us. And I was like, You mean a prostitute? And they're like, Yeah, 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 that. And I was like, Okay. They go. Do you know anybody? <laughs> Wait, and then as the interpreter... I was like the operator. That's very I'm like, funny. no, I don't know anybody, dude. But also, were, are, is it legal for you to like hook them up? Like, would you get fired for hooking them up to their phone sex call? Well, the, the reason I couldn't connect to the phone sex call thing wasn't because of the moral implications, although I do find phone sex deeply immoral and <laughs> wrong. Yeah, it was because like we weren't allowed to pay for the... Con- we couldn't pay the extra connection fee. Right. The company didn't pay that. There's not no 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 immorality. I, I I interpreted drug deals. I interpreted all kinds of stuff. In fact, I interpreted one time an assassination setup. The guy was like paying a hitman, and I faithfully interpreted it. To the oh, best. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> but I did do drug dealing. Was calls. Steven Seagal there? <laughs> Let's play another secret. Hi guys. Um, I wanted to leave a secret or two. I um, when I was uh, young, my house burnt down. And we had a pool, um, and the pool turned into kind of like a, a swamp. Um, and then we had a bunch of frogs that lived in the pool. And uh, I would go back there, um, you know, in the middle of the day as uh, the house was being rebuilt, you know, at different stages of, uh, of the house being rebuilt. I would go back there, and um, I found a bucket of uh, acid, and I would pick frogs out of the pool and dip them in acid and uh i I did that a lot i you know i I don't know why i did it and uh i didn't get i wasn't really that interested in um i was just being destructive i guess but uh anyway that's my secret i also um i used to also uh uh well anyway that's it i'm not you know that's that's that okay Wait, will you please call us back with your other secret, sir? I know. It's like <laughs> Wait, does acid kill a frog? Would that kill it? I mean, it was acid acid. It was not LSD. Right, no, I get it. So the acid would just like kill kill it immediately. Hey, I do believe so. Yeah. Well, I love that guy's affect. He was like, "Oh, hey guys, <laughs> I've got a secret or two to get off. Uh, let me see here. Just going through the old Rolodex here. Oh yeah, I was um, I tortured small animals for an extended period of time by boiling them in lysergic acid. Um, so there's that. Um, what else? What else? I got another one. Oh nope, my memory actually won't allow me to access that one. I can't. No, because then I would get arrested from the FBI. Okay, so uh, well that's all. Hope all's well. I'm calling in from Dayton. Motion. <laughs> <laughs> that poor guy. I want to know that other secret. He's like, yeah. Oh, uh, 
There was a lot of um, virgin g- women in my neighborhood that went missing. <laughs> I guess uh, technically I am responsible for those. I, I no, tortured and thing. killed many this young women. This guy's house burned down. It might have been a dark period of his life. He didn't know what was happening. Many of his possessions were probably gone and destroyed. The swimming pool was gone. The swimming pool was not gone. <laughs> it was a swamp. Okay, I'm at just first, saying. It, when it first started, it felt like a bit of a like a, a, a to- like a you know a nice like J.K. Rowling short story. <laughs> you know, our, our our pool became a swamp and the frogs moved in. But then he started torturing frogs. Yeah, this man torturing frogs. It, so you kind of sympathize with the guy a bit. No, but how old was he? I mean, I know I didn't quite get that. It's like if our daughter was like seven years old and going through a time and I don't know, though, I feel like when even today with a caterpillar, she was like at every step of the way. We're like, no, no, don't hurt. Don't hurt the caterpillar. Let me just say the phrase. Hold hold on. I think it's his parents fault. Maybe. Okay, I like that. I like that. (laughs) For not telling you that you don't do that. No, 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 no. Dip the froggy. Dip the froggy. I like Burn to believe if I tell my daughter to not do something, she won't do it. But I'm probably just naive. Let me just say the phrase quite a bit. That's that's when you, you lost me. But he's like, so I did that. I did it quite a bit, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a couple times or several times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why I did it. Well, there were voices telling me to do it, but... It did make the pain go away. No, when yeah, I don't know. It's so hard for me to imagine. I'd like I'd like a some follow up. Okay, well, we want that other secret. If you're listening, call us back with that other hot one and say, "Hey, this is Frog Guy," so we know how to contextualize you. Well, that's all the secrets we have this week. Uh, let's take another take call. Another call. Another call. Now we're going to call Abby in San Antonio. You've been in San Antonio? That city I don't mind. I like San Antonio. They, they got, got a river night. walk. Yeah, that's about it. They went to war with Ron Funches, though. San Antonio, the, the city? Yeah, I guess Ron Funches doesn't like San Antonio. Why? I don't know. Hmm. But there, it was like a, a news item in the local paper about how Ron Funches <laughs> said San Antonio <laughs> sucked or something like that. Well, maybe I'll get some Albany press for saying how much I don't like Albany. Ooh, that's kind of exciting stuff. Let's find out if she's a Ron Funches fan. Let's call Abby. Hello? Abby. Hi, Abby. We have a question for you. What's your question? How do you feel about comedian Ron Funches? (laughs) Who? (laughs) Comedian Ron Funches. Uh, I'm not familiar with that name. I'm sorry. Okay, well, he's a funny comedian. He's a great guy. And you should know who he is, but here's a little bit of trivia about him. He hates San Antonio. Oh, what's wrong with him? I don't know. (laughs) I think he had some bad experiences there. And it was in the local paper, and I'm surprised you didn't hear about it. It was a huge scandal in the city of San Antonio. Did he have like a bad breakfast talk, though, or something? It could be. That might have been been it. That might have been it. I got to say, I love breakfast tacos. And I love San Antonio. Riverwalk. The Alamo. Uh Yeah, never forget. Never forget. Is that it? We say the Alamo never forget? I thought that was 9-11 and the Holocaust. Oh, so it's the Alamo, 9-11, the Holocaust. Never forget. Oh, wait. I'm going to start a new company called San Antonio Breakfast Tacos. And it's going to say the the Alamo. Oh, they might not like it if it's from California. Uh, Listen, it's going to say they're going to like my catchphrase. It's going to say San Antonio Tacos made in Los Angeles, California. The Alamo, 9-11, the Holocaust. Never forget. Breakfast oh my tacos. God. 
That's really good, Moshe. Thanks. I'm a marketer. Good guy. way to bring people together. Thank you. It. Wait, I so agree. Abby, what's happening in your life? Well, um, I guess my question for you guys might be a little more on the esoteric side, but um, basically, I'm a PhD student, and um, I have a really great life, and I love what I do. But uh, I've been single for a couple years, and I would just really like some companionship. But it's really hard dating as a PhD student. Um, I work seven days a week, and um, more importantly than that, I feel like a lot of men are intimidated by my level of education. Is it possible that's because you say PhD student twice <laughs> in one minute talking to you? <laughs> well, no, it's but it's her whole life. It's her no, whole what's life. your what are you what are you getting it your is PhD kind in? Of like the nexus of everything that you, I do. You um, did say I'm nexus. getting my PhD. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm just feeling a little intimidated. But what 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 are you getting your PhD in? English literature. Oh, interesting, interesting. So you you are yeah. finding yourself a bit intimidated. Uh, 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 Men are a bit intimidated by you, and it's difficult to get a connection with them as a result. And you live where? And she doesn't have a lot of time. Where is it that you live again? I'm sorry? You live where again? San Antonio. San Antonio, Texas. You know, I'm thinking maybe, just to to throw this out there, maybe maybe you should leave Texas? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be nice, but um, I have my fellowship here. What kind of gumption? What kind of dang gumption? (laughs) Oh, I never would. English literature. I read I read Tucker Max, I hope they served beer in hell, and I read Lonesome Dove. What's Aww. your what's your specialty? What's your uh, focus? Um, I think it's going to be something involving feminism and science fiction. Oh, well. Or speculative fiction. I'm not really kind of bouncing between the two. Well, so you need someone like what kind of guys do you do you like? As- ah, just like smart, nice people. It, you know, the bar is pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> well, smart, that's, you know, that's hard to find. And have you tried dating other uh, graduate students at your university or is that a no-no or something? Um, a tawdry well, affair with a professor? My program is mostly women. Um, but I also, by principle, don't really want to shit where I eat and... Ah, you really uh, also, are a student of English literature. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's Shakespearean. Um, and also, I had kind of a bad experience uh, dating another professor once. So I tried to avoid I mean, that's academics smart. in my dating life. But why is your life... So it, when doing what you do seven days a week, you have to... So you're really not even out there trying to meet people. You're just working all the time. Sounds like you need to cut kind down of. a little bit. I don't think yeah, she can. I... <laughs> They're kind of, right? They're kind of slave drivers at the... Uh, when does it end? Is there an end in sight so you can at least like have that to look forward to? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have a pretty diverse circle of friends and they're usually who I meet people through. Um, but other the thing than is, that... Like, you don't want to be having to decline invitations to cool things all the time because you have to be working. Or you're not going to meet yeah. people. But that's isn't isn't that part of the dilemma? Because you're a PhD student, they kind of like they squeeze you dry, kind of a thing, isn't that right? 
Yes, 100%. Yeah. Like they want to prove like how hard it's going to be. Like if you can't make well, it Well, they're getting a lot of cheap and free labor out of you. Oh. Is it, right? Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a question. Are you on any dating apps? I was. I tried uh, Bumble and I tried Hinge, but they were both kind of disappointing experiences and kind of um, kind of not worth the effort of the energy that you have to spend putting into those kind of apps. Well, I mean, my thought, my first blush thought here is, uh, Abby, is that sometimes I'm sh- I 100 percent believe you that the men that you're encountering are are uh, intimidated by your level of education but i there's a part of me that just knows for sure texas is a big state and there's all kinds of like real thoughtful these like kind of thoughtful working men you know that like would appreciate a woman of letters you know like a like a steer wrestler who who loves to read keats or something like that like i just feel like <laughs> that guy's definitely out there like okay i'll give you an example from my own life like uh, the whole thing about men being intimidated by funny women well, that just doesn't that's like stupid to me because i'm a comedian that doesn't apply but like you know a, a woman that like is as 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 much of an earner or more than you people they you know say like oh a man doesn't want a woman to outshine him but you know that's the primary thing that i'm attracted to in natasha is that she earns more money than me per year it's like but the primary (laughs) primary thing but my point here is um but you're a different type of person some people like someone who's like a plus one absolutely well that's my that is my point which is that for every for every stereotypical guy that's intimidated by a brilliant woman, there's a guy out there uh, that is looking for a brilliant woman that, that wants the woman mm-hmm. to be the intellectual. And that's something to remember. Yeah. What you have to offer because, you know, you're you're working on it and, you know, you're at like a very high level in your career and it's cool. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, like, what, what, what percentage of people in the world get a PhD? What do you think, Abby? Like 1%? That's what I've been told. Yeah. 1%. So you're in like the one, the intellectual 1%. And you're thinking that you should be having the romantic ease of the 99%. But you're not, <laughs> yeah. that's not going to happen. Your road is probably going to be more difficult. Like my brother is an academic as well. Uh, he's a rabbi. He's got a PhD in law. And it, surprise, surprise, he has a difficult time finding a partner. Not because he's like, everybody's so dumb, but because it's like, it's just difficult for people in your position to find people that are both stimulated, they, they are stimulated by, and that aren't so intimidated by their level of education that they feel like they can't, they can't play in the same field as them. So I just think you, you're going to have to wait. And the, the, the person is out there. He's right now. He is right now riding a, <laughs> a calico long hair Arabian pony across the, uh, the flatlands of, of East Texas. He's coming your way, girl. He's coming your way. Uh, Okay. When you said calico, that just made me think I'm going to have to get another cat. (laughs) No, 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 no. You're moving in the wrong direction. Yeah, don't get a cat. Don't get more cats. You you got to stay stay the course. Stick with the four that you already have. I know you're an English literature uh, major, so you probably have seven. And it's a feminism focus, so maybe you have seven cats. Okay, but, but, (laughs) but don't go too far. I just think- and if you have a choice in your schedule, just try to open up some time, even if it's like set ahead in the future, to go to the cool thing that you want to see or, you know, try to make that a priority. But yeah, let me ask you, Natasha. You're a, wo- a powerful woman who, uh, you know, ha- in in a field where men are intimidated by by what you do. D- 
did you have a difficult time finding men that weren't intimidated by your success and your and your funniness? Um, I mean, I wouldn't have dated them if they were. You might be a bad example, actually, because Natasha dated c- comedians. Yeah, I usually would date people who I thought were f- that we would just laugh together. Right. That's more fun. I'm thinking you might want to rethink your shit where you eat policy, Abby. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, it is true. Like you do want someone who you have a lot in common with. I have a That's great what's idea. Hard. How many great universities are there? How many universities are there within spitting distance of San Antonio? Oh, just within San Antonio, there are a ton of universities. Ooh, maybe there's like a university Tinder. Well, if there's not, <laughs> that would be PhD nice, Tinder, like some kind of like. <laughs> well, if they have farmers meet up. And Christian Mingle, they should have um, snooty intellectual snobbery meetup or something like that. I mean, honestly, that's where I would go. I think that's your that's your best bet. Ask around uh, people that are graduate students and professors at other universities. Say, hey, are there any people out there that you could think of in the graduate programs or in the or, or professors out there? Because I I want to I want to get me a man of letters. Someone told me to read. <laughs> someone told me to read this book once. The the femi- Hold on, I need to figure out what it is. What's the book? The 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 feminine force. That's what it was called. And mm-hmm. this woman was like, her name was Georgette, and she was like this woman from Texas, and she married this uh, rich guy, and he died, and she really wanted like to meet someone. And I, someone told me to read her book, but anyway, one of her tips from this southern lady was like, make lists of all the people you know who know people and tell them like, hey, I'm looking for someone does anyone you know to set me up with. And she was like so, and then she found this like amazing husband. But I, I just, I always thought that was like, I almost got to that place. <laughs> and then you settled with me. No, Abby, I think this is your task. You should ask around about other graduate students and professors and universities around you because those guys are guys that are probably going to be less intimidated by a, an academic woman. But and, also people who know people. Yeah. Y- yeah. And get back on the apps and put in your bio PhD student. So you've already, it, nobody's going to click on you yeah. if they're like, I don't want me no smart lady. <laughs> they're going to click on you and go, Tell me That's more. That's what I was doing, though. Tell me That's more about Octavia of... Butler. I want to know more. <laughs> if there's that many universities in the surrounding areas, I think it's worth, like, you know, just telling a few friends that you're looking. And then if none of that and works. go to the events at these places. If none of that works, you go down to Plano and you find yourself a rancher and you just pretend to be dumb like women have done for ages and ages, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Just get down there and you squelch that intellectual instinct and find you a man. Um, Sounds good. No, we have faith in you. Yeah, for sure. I think that intelligence goes a long way and you're not going to want to settle for somebody that's scared of your big old brain. (laughs) Thank you so much. Good luck. Okay, bye. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. I think we really helped that lady. (laughs) Well, we at least gave her confidence. You gave her confidence. It's true. She's got somebody coming. You're right. She isn't like, I mean, most people do not get a PhD. That's just like intense study. I mean, just by getting a PhD, it means that you've probably read more than a normal person. I think that any person, male or female, would be intimidated by dating a PhD candidate. Even and- for English literature, though, like that's the one area I could get a PhD in. <laughs> <laughs> like I would not be quite, I, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the, uh, space in my brain to be able to get a, any other PhD besides literature. Do you think you could? Yeah, I could get a quantum physics one for sure. No, you couldn't get math or science listen, PhD. My, my mom 
My mom is a, I wouldn't call her an academic or an intellectual. She married a man with a PhD. My stepdad is a, is an entomologist. He's got a damn PhD. Doctor, my doctor stepdaddy. That's, that's what I call him. I call him Dr. S. Well, my mom married someone who has a doctorate. So it's the same thing. It's the same thing, huh? <laughs> I'm from Illinois. No one told me about college. Maybe you could get an Illinois PhD. I- <laughs> I was never, there were no like career counselors. They just wanted me to get a job at Walmart. You know, I kind of like got my own thing happening. I did it. I love your thing. I I did it on my own. You know, I didn't grow up knowing about colleges and I mean, I went to college for nine years. Yeah, there you go. So you you might be the best college student around because you went for the longest. Well, I could only go part time because I had to pay for it. Honey, you don't have to convince me. I think you're brilliant and I think you're impressive. And guess what else? Love you. Love you too.